In this episode of the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast, I have another sit-down, one-on-one interview. And the interview today is with Tumani Kamara. Tumani played for Dayton, started off at University of Georgia, but before that, he came from Belgium. Tumani has an interesting story, so stay tuned to hear about one of the players that I believe could be one of the biggest risers in this pre-draft process. Stay tuned. Big, big shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. I am your host, Rafael Barlow, the director of scouting for NBA Big Board. And this interview was shot in Chicago. We had little difficulties. We actually recorded, I want to say earlier in the week, we were at the arena. And then when we started recording, they started blasting the music. So halfway through the interview, you had really loud music. The other half, we didn't have any music. Then when we recorded again the second time, I thought it was good to go. And that's when I had the issue where my memory card was, was swiped from the media area. So we ended up having to record this interview for the third time, like literally right before everything had wrapped up on Friday. And what's crazy was we had to go into the DePaul locker room because at the hotel connected to the arena, they had a big prom event. So it was a lot going on, but big shout out to Tamani for bearing with me to do this interview three times. He has a great story. And he's someone that I, I feel like I'll be in contact with over the years because he's just a, a, a really, really good guy. He's a good guy. It's very easy to root for him. And one of the things that really stood out to me about him was he knew what he wanted to do. He knew he wanted to play college basketball, and he left the comfort of his, his country in Belgium and moved to the United States at 16. And I, I know it probably happens more so with international kids coming to the United States, but just putting it into perspective, how many American kids could go move and live in another country at 16 years old to pursue a dream? It's, I mean, it takes a lot of guts to do that. But anyway, I'll let him tell the story. Here is my one-on-one interview with Dayton's Tumani Kamara. All right, so tell me about this experience here at, at the NBA Combine. Oh, it's an amazing experience, man. Great talent. Um, being able to, to be surrounded by uh, great programs and, and great people looking at you and dissecting your game and being able to learn so much more about the game of basketball and be able to, to evaluate yourself against uh, some of the best in your class. So amazing experience, a one in a lifetime experience. So uh, not taking it for granted, I'm um, really grateful for being here. I want to talk about your pro day. I was at your pro day. Yes, sir. And, and I don't want to sound biased, but I thought you had the best pro day out of all the ones I attended. You did a solo one, which is tough, but I feel like you showed a little bit of everything in a pro day. You showed the athleticism, the shots. Um, I posted a video on Twitter. I think there was one spot where you hit like nine threes in a row. There was one where you may have hit like eight out of 10. I think there was one where it was like 11 out of 15, something crazy like that. Have you been putting a lot of work in and, and time on your shot? Yeah, I think it's, it's something uh, a lot of people tell me I need to get better at. So something I take really, really seriously and um, trying to be my best every day. So try, trying to work on those areas when, uh, when I need to, a lot of improvements. And uh, 
I feel like I've always been a decent shooter. Uh, just being able to expose that in games, I think, I think uh, something I've been struggling with uh, throughout my career, but getting better every year. So something I wanted to show that day um, that I was uh, more than, than just a capable shooter. Yeah, I thought it was impressive. And before your, your pro day, I was up in the stands and I was talking to uh, a scout for a team mm -hmm. and we saw you coming out and he was telling me how he likes you. So I was like, what do you think about him overall? He's like, man, we, we need a guy like that on our team, a guy that can defend threes and fours that's athletic. And then he said, but I think his shot is coming along. Mm -hmm. And then 30 minutes later, he, he shot the lights out. So was it, were you nervous, like doing a solo pro day in front of hundreds of NBA scouts and decision makers with all eyes on you? I wouldn't say I was nervous. Um, it, it was... I know it was a big moment for me, uh, something new, uh, where all the eyes in, in the gym is literally just on you and there's no other distraction. Um, but at the end of the day, like my one, something that my trainer was really trying to remind me uh, throughout the workout was it's just, it's just a regular workout. You've been doing this for so long. You've been playing basketball for so long. So it's just another workout, just being yourself and, and, and just go as hard as you can and, and, and do what you've been doing since, since a young age. So that, Going into to that workout with that mentality, I think, really helped me um, just being myself and being locked in on, on me and, and, and nothing else. That, that's good that he simplified it. Mm -hmm. In reality, it wasn't another workout. Yeah. <laughs> it was like a yeah. job interview yeah. workout because, I mean, it was hundreds of people just mm -hmm. watching. You know, you're yeah. playing a game. There's nine other guys on the court. They were just watching you. Well, like I said, you showed athleticism. You showed can handle, you show mid-range, and, and you show the, that you can shoot the three. Was that something that you were looking to to really show scouts so that you can be a 3 and D rebounding machine? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think um, throughout my career, I had, I had a lot of different roles um, that I had to to adjust to. And, um, and college basketball is, I mean, basketball in general is trying to be able to fit into a role and, and do what's best for the team. and. Uh, for the team's success, it's not only about you. So I think uh, throughout my college career and throughout my almost my whole career as a basketball player, I, I've been put into roles that does not show my full extent of my game. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think it's it's part of the game, being able to adjust to, to, to those things. And I just wanted to show uh, things that maybe they didn't see uh, throughout the year, maybe they didn't see throughout my career. And um, things that things that I've been working on since a really young age and things that I think I'm, I'm really comfortable with. and. Uh, so, so they can see a different different part of my game. Now, what part of your game do you feel like you haven't been able to showcase? Uh, me handling the ball a little more. Uh, I think uh, my shooting, like I said, uh, I feel like my, my shooting got way better. Being able to handle the ball, how athletic I am, and uh, I feel like being able to, to play with the, the, in the mid-range area and uh, just show my skill, being more comfortable with the ball and, and be able to do more than, than, than just one thing and yeah, just being able to be versatile. Yeah, and now I see you in like a role where you can be like a guy that can attack dribble handoffs mm -hmm. and, and, and face up and, and, and beat smaller bigs yeah. off the dribble. But with the shooting, I mean, that just opens up a lot. Mm -hmm. Once they sure. close out, you'll be able to attack the close out. Let's talk, let's go way back. Mm -hmm. You're from Belgium. Yeah. How in the world did you get to the United States from Belgium? Um, so I started basketball at a young age, man. I was like seven and then um, just fell in love with the game really fast and then started asking myself a lot of questions on how I wanted to become a pro. Um, if I wanted to be just a Division One player in, back in Belgium or if I 
wanted to, to try to accomplish my dream, which was to play in the NBA, and, and that's what I really wanted to do. So I uh, started really focusing on that. I started talking to my coach about it at a really young age, around probably 12, 13. Um, and uh, just wanted to have more answer about how to get there, what my possibility uh, to get to that level. And uh, one, one thing they told me is you got to go to college in the U.S. probably the best, the best chance to get exposure for, for the NBA. And then how do I get to, the, to college? So he told me probably go to high school. So uh, I, was, I was right for it. I mean, I was a 16, 15-year-old from Belgium, uh, wanted to leave the American, dreams, American dream. So, uh, just looking forward to that opportunity. I think uh, it was a no-brainer when when it came, when when my coach came in front of me with with that opportunity to be able to leave at 16 and uh, in uh, Hollywood, Florida, uh, for high school. So, can't say no to that. Yeah, you have a unique story. You're a European, but you've spent enough time here, high school and and college. Mm -hmm. What was your first thoughts when you landed? Like, did you land straight in, in Florida? Mm -hmm. Did you go straight to Miami? Yeah, yeah. So I landed in uh, Fort Lauderdale. Uh, first thought, everything is big. Palm trees everywhere, sun. It was blue sky. I was just like a dream. It was like a dream, man. It was like, I'm from Brussels, Brussels Belgium, so it's like a uh, pretty big city for its country, but it's, it's nothing compared to, to the U.S. or the, the highways or like five lanes and... <laughs> Like everything is big, the food is the food portion is way humongous. bigger. Yeah, so we're fat here. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah, the lifestyle was just so different. And, and to me, I was like in a movie at first. I think the first morning I was like in a movie, just had that smile on my face the whole time. And uh, yeah, I think that was my first impression. Just happy to be here and uh, enjoying as much as I could. I don't know if I told you, but I've been to Belgium. Yes, sir. Antwerp. Yes, sir. Okay. That, that's the only place I've yeah, been. Yeah. And I was there on my way from Paris to Amsterdam. Mm -hmm. All right, we'll have more from Tumani in a second, but I want to talk about building a championship team. And when you're building a championship team, you know you have to make sure that every player is the right fit. Well, it's the same for your car. Every part needs to fit just right, so the next time you need parts and accessories, you gotta head to eBay Motors. With the eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. So all you have to do is just add your ride to my garage and you can look for the green check and that will tell you if the part will fit or you will get your money back because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time at all. So after all, it is easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. So get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. And the eBay guarantee fit, it is only, only available for US customers, eligible items only, and exclusions apply. Once again, big shout out to each and every listener that has made this the first, second, third, or fourth, fifth, even just the fact that you are listening to the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast is a big blessing. And in the next episode, it will be me and my co-host Leaf Tuline. We haven't heard from Leaf this week. Leaf has been busy hosting Locked On Jazz. So if you are a jazz fan or even a fan of Leaf Tuline, who I think is going to be a star, a rising star in this industry, check out Leaf Tuline on Locked On Jazz. He's filling in for, for David Locke. But Leaf will be on our episode tomorrow, and we'll just wait and see 
what we have to discuss. All right, here is Tumani. What was the biggest adjustment for you coming as a 16-year-old to a new country? Everything is new. The basketball is different. What was, like, your biggest challenge or adjustment? I think it was definitely the language. Um, something I was struggling with a lot at first, especially when you have to make a lot of new friends and stuff like that in high school. And you know, I feel like in high school, kids are really, they judge a lot, you know? So it's like just trying to be able to fit in at a young age and everything. I think it was probably the hardest part for me. Uh, but uh, the support system that I had uh, in, in Florida was just amazing. Uh, the friends that I was able to make uh, helped me through that process and everything. I'm, I made some relationship that I'm never going to lose uh, throughout my life. So, um, yeah, but it was, the language is probably, language is culture is probably the, the top two things that was hard for me to adjust. Did you speak any English at all when you got here? I, I knew some words. Um, can't really, wasn't comfortable enough to speak for sure. Uh, I can understand a little bit uh, about context clues and stuff like that, but... Uh, um, no, I, I wouldn't say I, I was speaking English for sure. How did you learn just by kind of like assimilating or like I've heard some people say they learn from movies. Mm -hmm. I met a, a guy, he was Chinese. He said he learned English from watching 8 Mile. Mm -hmm. I've okay. heard some people say they learn from rap music, which mm -hmm. is probably like you're learning a, a, a totally different genre of English mm -hmm. in a sense. But like, how did you learn English just just speaking it every day or being around it or did you have to have like some like a teacher yeah I think it's like I said I didn't really have any choice um I'm 16 and like I said like kids kids that age judge a lot make fun of a lot so I took that really serious trying to learn English as much as I can as fast as I can and and um try to not have a big accent uh, I didn't I wanted to lose my French accent as fast as possible so I was watching a lot of movies and everything but I was in the in the English language every day like it was surrounding me the whole time I was fully immersed into it so I didn't have no choice but to learn as fast as I could and, and try, try to um, try to assimilate the language as, as easy as fast as I could. How many languages do you speak? I speak two. Two. I speak French, French my main language and then uh, English. And but what do they speak in Belgium? They speak Dutch a little bit. I, I knew a little bit but I'm I'm losing it like I don't I don't really practice at all so but, so you, so you don't speak Dutch? No, I do not. I know some words, but you, know. you grew up in the <laughs> French. They, do they, is it like part of the country speaks a, a different language? Is that how it is? Yeah. So in Belgium, it's basically the north speak uh, Dutch and the the south speak French, and then my my city, which is kind of like in the middle, splits mm -hmm. both ends. Um, it's a little bit of mix of both, but uh, it's mainly French, French spoken. And what was the biggest difference between basketball in Europe and basketball in the States? I think it's the way the game is played. Um, I feel like in, in Europe you learn so much about the concept system and being able to move the ball um, and, and play basketball without the ball. So you learn the, the fundamentals of playing basketball, like organized basketball. And I feel like in the U.S. it's really more skills, athlete, like being athletic, like young kids being in the weight room at a really young age in, in, in Europe. I didn't see no red room. Like, we don't have the same facilities also, so um, basketball is, is so different. But I feel like I'm glad that I've been through that uh, at the age of 16, being able to learn so many things at a young age and come to the U.S. and be able to have a mix of both. I feel like it helped me to, to be who I am today. Yeah, my dream scenario is to, like, be a GM of a team in Europe mm -hmm. and combine what we do here in the States mm -hmm. and combine with... Sure. with the structure in Europe. But then again, you know, like this facility we're in now would be like the best facility mm -hmm. in yeah, Europe. For sure. for All sure. right, let's, let's talk about 
this season. He had a, a monster, a monster year. Do you have any eligibility left if you wanted to use it? Yeah, I have one more year. Yes, sir. And hopefully you don't you don't use that. I don't think. Yeah, you yeah. Use it. I'm gonna see how I gotta go, but. But you you had a great year. I think, I don't know. Was it in January where you won like, you went on like a streak where you was getting like, I don't know. Did you win like player of the week like a couple of times mm-hmm. in a row or something yeah, like yeah. that? Were you just like in a zone for like a whole month? You felt like it? Yeah, I feel like I, I was more locked in in a way that um, I'm always going to try to do my best to, to, to get a win at the end of the day, whatever my team needs me to do. And I feel like we were going into a slump offensively. And I feel like it was my time to kind of like step up and, and, and do some, some things that uh, that maybe some of my teammates were struggling with and, and be able to to um, to compensate um, as much as I could. And I feel like this period, I, w- I was feeling more comfortable with, with everything, uh, whether it's mentally on and off the court, I felt like I was just I was just feeling good in that, in that period. And I was able to to, to show my, my game as its fullest. So you were in uh, Portsmouth, mm-hmm. and you made the jump from Portsmouth straight to the NBA Combine. Mm-hmm. It may have been done before. I don't know off the top of my head if anybody's done that. So you basically skipped the whole G League camp, mm-hmm. and then you were here at the Combine. H- how do you think you performed? I think I did pretty good. Um, I feel like it, it was not my, my best performance for sure, but I feel like I, sh- I showed uh, who I am and, and what I'm about and, and how hard I played and what, with energy and everything. And offensively, I had it going the first two games, so I think that, that's what really helped me. And, uh, yeah, I think it's probably... All right, so how many interviews have you had here in Chicago? Uh, in Chicago, I only had two. Uh, in Portsmouth, I did, I did more than 20 in Portsmouth, so I think most of the team already had interviewed me, so I, I didn't think. I mean, that's how I'm viewing it, but uh, I think that's probably why I didn't get that many interviews here. But That makes sense. Yeah. 20 interviews in Portsmouth? Yeah. I mean, I think that you were, like, the, the biggest or highest profile name in Portsmouth, mm-hmm. and that's probably why you had all the interviews. What's the craziest question that someone ask you in any interview? Um, they asked me um, if you got to go to if you had to go to dinner. Um, um, you need to pick five people dead or alive. Who would you go with? That's probably the, the craziest I've heard. The most ordinary I've heard for sure. That's not too crazy. No, it's not. Dylan Jones told me they asked him how many basketballs could fit in this room. So. Have you had to do, well, I guess today you had to do your, your medical stuff. Mm-hmm. What, was, what was that like for you? It was a long day? Yeah, it was a long day, man. We, we had to go to the hospital and do a bunch of x-ray, MRIs, and just making sure all the, all the part of your body is, is being ex- examined so, um, so the team can have as, many, uh, as much records as they can. So it, it, was, it was exhausting. It was a lot, but it, it takes what it takes, man. So, yeah, it was a long day for sure. So you've been here since was it Saturday? Or? Um, Sunday? No, we got here Monday, I think the 14th, and then, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, Monday was the 15th. Yeah, so Sunday, I got here Sunday, yeah. So the, the combine is over. What What does, like, the next two days look like for you? Uh, I'm leaving straight from here to Portland. Uh, I got to work out with them on Monday. And then um, I got probably eight, eight more workouts after that, um, probably till June 16th, uh, depending on other team add on to that or, or not. Um, and then, yeah, there's the draft on June 22nd, so we see how everything goes from then. So the first thing that I noticed was you cut your hair. Yeah. <laughs> what made you decide to cut your hair? Because it's kind of like your trademark. Mm-hmm. 
there was actually people who didn't know who you were. It was yeah. like, who's that? And it's like, that's, that's Jumani. It's like, oh, <laughs> so what made you decide to cut your hair? Um, I think it was, it was a new chapter for me. Um, started from, started brand new, kind of refresh. I think that's, that's, that's big, whether it's mentally or whether it's um, changing a new face, I think um, helped me with um, kind of finding a new focus and kind of put the past behind me and, and move forward towards, uh, towards something new. All right, June 22nd. NBA draft, what will it mean to hear your name called? It would mean so much, man. I mean, something I've been dreaming about since the age of seven. So being able to, to do that uh, for me, for my family, for my country, uh, for all the people that support me, I think it's amazing. And uh, um, I'm really looking forward to that, man. Hopefully it happens for me. You know? But I feel like whatever, whatever happens to me, I, I know everything happened for a reason. So uh, yeah, just, just excited for, for what's next for me, for sure. I got to add on to that. What will it mean to Belgium? It's not a country that has mm -hmm. a deep basketball history. I think there's one guy mm -hmm. that was drafted years ago. He had Vrenz Blindberg mm -hmm. a couple years ago that, yep. that I thought was going to get drafted, but had like some crazy buyout situations. Mm -hmm. And you could be like the, the next. Like, what will it mean to, to the country, the national team? I mean, they're gonna build like a statue for you there. Like, <laughs> like what will it mean to, for for the people in Belgium? No, I think it would mean a lot, man. That's something uh, also I, I wanted to do in my career, if it was possible, was to to try to bring basketball to to a higher standards in in Belgium. And I think uh, that that's that would be a huge goal for me to accomplish, being able to to give opportunity for for kids my age, um, um to kid to kids for bring opportunity for kids to also have the same opportunity that I have uh, at the age of 16, be able to come to the U.S. and be able to experience everything I've been through. And um, I know a lot of people got the talent back home in Belgium at a young age, but the facilities and, and everything is not there. So being able to, to help all those people, I think it's huge for me and something I really want to be able to do uh, throughout my career. So yeah, it, it would mean the world to me. I know somebody listening is going to be like, Tony Park was born in Belgium, yeah. but... <laughs> I consider Tony French. Yeah, he, he does, doesn't really count to, to, um, to the Belgium community, but um, yeah, I mean, he's a French guy to me, for sure. Once again, thank you for making the Locked on NBA Big Board podcast. Again, first, second, third, fourth listen of the day. And big shout out to Tamani Kamara for coming on this show and, and just doing a sit down interview with me to, to share his story. I'm rooting for him. I know he's had some workouts with some, some teams that I think would be a good fit. And I even had a scout from, I won't say the team, scout from the team say that we don't have a guy like Tamani on our roster. And he was talking about his team doesn't have a guy that can play some four, that brings great energy, that can also switch out and defend threes, that has the athleticism and is a good finisher and energy player. So I think he would be a good fit on this particular team. Just depends on what moves they make to, to get into position to draft him or, you know, maybe even select him for two. I don't I don't really know what what the what the next step is. I, I do feel like after pick forty, there are teams that are going to just start talking to guys about two way contracts. So it's really it's like with the addition of three two-way contracts for each team, you could say pick maybe 41 through, 
I don't know, 100 are all pretty much going to be on the same contract, just a matter of hearing your name called. But anyway, once again, thank you for listening. This is Rafael Barlow, and I am out.